0: To each and every one of you. Glad you could join us for episode 108, The Sound of Football. Uh, this week I'm very glad to say I'm joined once again by Terry DeFellin. Hello, Terry. Hello. Uh, I trust you're full of vim and vigour and ready for another podcast.
1: Yeah, I've just been watching a, a second division a German football match,
0: um, 1860
1: Munich versus uh, FC St. Pauli. Uh, it was a thrilling match. Uh, finished 1 1, uh, 1860 Munich uh, grabbing an equaliser and the death.
0: Uh, it was a bit of a cracker. Superb. Well, I mean, what more preparation do you want? I mean, that's, uh, that's probably put you in exactly the right mental state to, to continue with this podcast. That's fantastic. Um, unfortunately, fans of Graham Sibley will be disappointed to hear that uh, Graham is away this week. Uh, he's otherwise engaged on, uh, on other things, but uh, we have managed to find someone who uh, met all our stringent criteria in our search for a suitable replacement. He's, he's knowledgeable, intelligent... Charismatic and above all else, available. He is Richard Johnson. Hello, Richard. Hello. Excellent. How, how's things? Uh, good. I can say that I certainly meet the available part of that criteria. Anyway. Fantastic. You know, we don't want you kind of um, getting ideas above your station, and thinking <laughs> you're better qualified than the rest of us on this podcast. I Excellent. doubt that very much. <laughs> good to have you on board now I mean the reason we've dragged Richard in by the collar this week is because we're talking about football nostalgia um, for those who don't know Richard and I got together last November to set up a new blog site called The Football Attic um, so the time seemed right to have a chat about uh, what makes football nostalgia so appealing and uh, more personally whether people will still be getting nostalgic about football in years to come or to put it another way is nostalgia a thing of the past? Yes, it's an old joke, but we have to crowbar it in somewhere. Um, so, Terry, I'll, um, I'll come to you first. We we have a tradition on this podcast that um, anyone new coming in needs at least five minutes to uh, assess the pace of the thing. So um, I think we should apply that rule to Richard. Uh, Terry, um, let's start off with, with football books then. Uh, Once upon a time... Ie when you and i were were young um you could buy football books of uh, of all kinds aimed at um lots of different people of all ages there were reference books there were kids annuals encyclopedias and all sorts um i'm thinking nowadays the 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 market for football books is, is probably diminished compared to how it was so um is it fair to say that say 20 years hence um the young fans of today will be getting nostalgic about like Digital reading matter like websites and blog sites rather than books?
1: Well, yeah, funnily enough, I remember having a conversation with Chris Nee, uh, who has also visited this parish in the past, uh, <laughs> earlier in the season while we were at a, at a football match, um, mm. as you do. Um, and we were getting reminiscent and all dewy eyed about old blogs, old football blogs from before, <laughs> oh, before Twitter existed, um, uh, specifically uh, Gramsky's Kingdom. And a fantastic blog by the name of uh, sniffing the Touchline, uh, Ooh, yes. both of which uh, have, have now have now gone uh, and, a, and a great deal more besides as well, it should be said uh, and, mm. uh, and so yes, funnily enough, there was this element of, of nostalgia about that, so it 's quite possible. I think the only thing is is that there's so many blogs now mm. um, and so many websites, and there will be so many more, so many come so many go that it, mm. that there isn 't the sort of it, it, it fragments the audience, and the internet fragments audiences. And you know, and the mm. more choice you have, the less likelihood you have of everybody all getting together in one place at the same time. Yes. So you'll often find people getting nostalgic for a certain website, or yes, conceivably a book or digital book, mm. or or rocket pack book, or whatever books are like <laughs> in the in the future. Um, and but not being able to necessarily share that that nostalgia because. Um, because other people just won't have encountered that particular yeah. Uh, some item. It's more fragmented. And I think nostalgia, to an extent, only works because it's a collective thing. So mm-hmm. it's possible that as audiences continue to fragment, that nostalgia is harder um, to preserve. If that's the word mm. I'm looking for.
0: Yeah, yeah. Blimey, i tell you what, you make me feel old already if we're starting to talk about nostalgia for early football blog sites. Blimey, I just, well, <laughs> has I it happened already?
1: This, there was this cracking website called Some People on the Pitch. I,
0: I don't remember wow. what happened to it. but uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think, I think the, the, the bloke who wrote that went on to better things, probably. Um, but, I mean, did, what, um, did you used to sort of get um, you know, shoot annuals or anything like that yourself, Terry, in, back in the day? I've got to be honest and say I was
1: never that much of a football fan when I was a child. Uh, i never embraced it embraced the game as as much as i did as when i was when i became an an adult it was a very much an adult pursuit um yes. football um so i didn't really i didn't really have that much of a background so uh, i mean i was familiar with the with the with shoot and with match but I, mm. I, I i maybe at a very early age i have um i have memories of being bought these things but uh, alas, no. It's 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 it's. Um, I regret it to an extent because uh, I would have liked to, have, you know, been a little bit more up with football back mm. then and 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 have fond memories. But uh, but I mean, if you're talking to me about Marvel comics, then I'm all across <laughs> it. But uh, alas, no. Football was uh, not something that I I didn't really get that until a little bit later in life.
2: See, uh, I G- was going to say I'm the antithesis of that because uh, I got into football when I was about eleven and immediately set on the path of having every copy of Shoot and Match and for about six years had it every week delivered from the newsagent and then at mm. some point in my adulthood I decided that I did not need those things anymore <laughs> and got rid of every single copy
0: oh. mm. yeah, Such it, foolish it, things we do in our youth
1: and, uh, uh, I wouldn't feel bad about that to be perfectly honest with you It means that because somebody else has got them and they're really appreciating them um, and you know it's not like these things can't necessarily be be, be got again and mm. you know just think about it just, just how much do you really actually miss them it's just sometimes <laughs> don't, just don't say like... things like that it'll cry i was, I was right.
2: gonna say don't ask that question <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> i actually I've recently bought i was gonna say i bought six ep- uh, six issues of shoot magazine off ebay the other day at uh, what were what amounted to about 50 percent plus on the cover price so <laughs> it just shows inflation wow. uh, it, it gets us all
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose so. I suppose you've just got to make decisions sometimes about these things, don't you? And if it seems the right thing to do at the time, there's not much you can do about it now, is there? Mm. It was the right thing to do at the time, I'm sure, Richard.
2: It was, it was, although uh, the problem is I just threw them out as well. I didn't even give them away. I just threw uh, them out, along okay, with that, alongside but... about 10 years of copies of the Beano as well, so, you know.
1: That is unforgivable. You are. (laughs) are, uh, was I about to set up a support group, and in fact, I'm going to throw you off the podcast
0: right now. But I I did
2: find the other day my Dennis the Menace and Nasher Fan Club badge,
0: the original. So you know, good grief. Get that straight on eBay. If I sorry, I I, I realise I'm just. um, Yes, um, Cheap stocking filler, you shoot annual, you know. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I probably had a few of those when I was younger. They probably only cost a few quid. But, um, you know, weeks and weeks of wonderful content. And they'll last you through to, oh, at least the middle of January after Christmas. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, to you now, Richard. I mean, one key interest for anyone who's into football and sales is, of course, your football kit design. Um, I'm just sort of wondering, uh, things have developed so much now. Do you see enough... Originality and, and ingenuity in, in modern football kit design to make you sort of think that the 40-year-olds of the future will look back on this as any kind of golden era or, or are you still seeing perhaps plenty of decent kits being made now? I
2: think um, with kits, I think the designs that have been coming out in the last few years, some of them have been fantastic. I think we're mm-hmm. almost sort of hitting an almost a uh, second golden age, really, of football kit design. However, wow. in terms of them being nostalgic in the future... Um, I think one of the big problems is the, the proliferation of them now, is that you can mm. buy or kits anywhere. When I was a kid, you know, I could get them from the sports shop in town, which sold Liverpool, Man United, and the England kit, and that was it. And in my hometown, I, I had to go to the football ground to buy the kit. <laughs> that's it. And I think that's the problem. You can now buy kits, and especially with the internet, you can buy them so easily nowadays. It's just... It's just sheer volume. Can you get mm. nostalgic about something that you? And also with eBay, can you get nostalgic about something that if you wanted it, you can go and bid for it a couple of quid on eBay? Yes. It's yeah. you know it's it's it, the the whole ball game. Sorry for the pun. Has changed in the sense that it's the availability uh, to a degree mm. that often drives the nostalgia element because it's hard to be nostalgic about something that you could you know you can walk into a shop and buy uh, whereas if it's something you remember from your childhood that uh, is a long gone for instance a whole collection of shoot magazines um it's it's hard to be nostalgic when you can just so easily pick it up i mean even mm. football kits from my childhood you know you can get them on ebay or oh, admittedly they tend to cost quite a lot
0: though from that era a yeah. bit yes um i mean i must admit my my view is slightly different to yours on that i mean i i must admit I do have this kind of thing about 1970s kind of nostalgia generally really but I mean I look back to some of the like the Admiral kits of those days the wonderful sort of tramlines kits that, that uh, you know Coventry well, I mean everyone, I don't, Coventry is your team I should point this out to, to listeners um, uh, Richard is a Coventry City fan, don't hold that against him sorry uh, <laughs> <laughs> we should have made that clear right from the outset. Uh, and if you have just switched off, oh no, anyway. Uh, but um, I mean, everyone goes on about the brown Coventry City kit, and, and uh, yes, all right, fine, yes, comedy value and all that. But, the, but that general design, that whole tramlining, I think was brilliant. It was real cutting edge stuff at the time. And then you had, uh, you know, Adidas with all the pinstripe kits and all that sort of stuff. It was a very exciting period, I think. And I kind of look now, and yes, there are some good kits, but um, I also see some kit manufacturers. Seemingly just now running out of ideas and trying to kind of just put some heat under old ideas and make them somehow look more, uh, I don't know, I don't know, somehow more valid in some way. I mean, um, Terry, do you think, I mean, in, over the last 20 years with regards to football kids, there's been all this. Hullabaloo now—it's almost like an in-joke now. When when a kit is launched, you get all this marketing tosh about, oh, it's made from a special fabric which takes sweat away from the body and allows air to come and all that. And it's just everyone knows all that now. Do you, th- do you think all that nonsense has kind of somehow done a bit of harm to the whole kind of thing about football kits? Because it used to be a very innocent pastime, waiting to see you know which team was going to wear a new kit for the cup final or whatever, you know.
1: Um- Yeah, but, I I mean, do the replica kits, are they, are the modern replica kits actually replica kits? Do they have this particular material etched into them, or are they only available to the actual players?
0: I must admit, I've wondered that in the past. What do you reckon, Rich? Well, there is a very good question
2: indeed. Um... Uh, about two years ago I purchased the the TechFit version of the Argentina kit uh, which cost me about no I'm not going to say how much it cost me uh, a fair amount of money which is basically the player's version and that's the thing uh. you will find nowadays that often they will release a player's version which is the exact same um, version it basically has like iron on patches rather than sort of um, embroidered badges which I find ironic because when I was a child the, Im- the embroidered badge was like the holy grail because all mm. sort of replica kits, are, you know, when I was a child, they, they tended to have iron-on felt badges which tended to <laughs> fall off in the wash. Um... <laughs> but yeah so you can get proper player versions but the versions you would normally get in a, in a shop are completely different they are which almost sort of makes them almost pointless to a, a degree yeah. yeah because it's well, like
1: not replicas then are they really no exactly the and thing. then you
2: I mean you can buy also what's known as supporters or stadium t-shirts which are hmm. almost the same as a, as a replica kit but not quite there's subtle differences and they're usually about two thirds the price but it's like if your replica isn't a replica in the first place then does it matter? Mm.
1: I mean, the the uh, previous um, England shirt uh, was notoriously d- designed really for leisure wear um, yes. to, to look to look good or apparently look good on you know on the streets rather than on the pitch. So, in, in the one sense, you have manufacturers tailoring, um, if you'll forgive the pun, uh, their uh, their designs. Um, for the replica market, um, and in other instances, you, you don't. In fact, what you find is you find that there are, as Richard was just saying, you find non-rep that these replica kits are not actually replicas at all. They're they're just kits. They're just styled very close to um, the the original kit, but but they're not mm-hmm. actually there. And so this br- brings us off into a whole new different realm of. I mean, maybe in a way, this will be its own form of collection and that these these <laughs> different items um the anthem jackets that the England team wear which is the, which are the tracksuit tops i mean i'm not going to be old manish and go oh my god i mean i almost did give up football <laughs> forever go when on, i Terry. Heard you know you want that, to. that i heard that these things were called anthem jackets <laughs> yeah, i know just thought, it's I just it's gonna... just appalling but all right i mean that's fine if this is what the kids want then that's fine but i mean Th- th- this, we're talking about a whole proliferation of different, different types of wear, um, and I mean, it's fun presumably for the collectors of the future. I, people collect, don't they? And mm. I suppose they will always find things to collect. And let's face it; I mean, in terms of football memorabilia, there's loads of it about. It
0: certainly is, yeah.
1: Whether you know, it you know, accounts for nostalgia or not, I wouldn't be able to say.
0: Indeed. Uh, you're not telling me that kids now, when they play over the park, have to go through the whole thing of like simulating a national anthem and wearing a particular jacket for it. It surely hasn't come to that. No, but I bet you they have to do the fair play handshake. <laughs> I bet you a number of them have to do the fair play handshake. <laughs> yes, and, and of course the ignoring one of your mates as you go along and sort of shaking hands and all that. Um, I feel we're getting into murky waters now. Anyway, um, but, um, I mean, I'm going go to go into sort of games now, Terry, um, mm. In fact, I was going to ask you about actually before we go on, just very quickly. While we're still on the subject of football kits, what was the first football shirt you ever owned? Like a kind of replica-ish kit, should we say?
1: Yeah, shirt. no, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Crystal Palace, obviously, and it would have been mm-hmm. circa 1992, I think. I have a That's feeling it was the Brazil oh Brazil no okay. it would have been uh, it was, sorry it wasn't Brazil but it was the Brazil style away style. show that they had <laughs> Tulip yes. Computers were the sponsor it was a year after we finished third in the league mm-hmm. and uh, I'm pretty certain that that's the first one that I bought I, 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 I'm going to make a, a, a slight confession here <laughs> I'm not oh no I'm oh no replica yeah no. I did, when I was a kid I had a Crystal Palace top but it was it was a knock off it wasn't a, a yeah. replica it wasn't a replica Um I'm going to be honest here and say that I am not actually a great fan of the red and blue at Crystal Palace.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: When I first started supporting Crystal my dad, my dad took me to Crystal Palace as a kid mm. to see uh, to see Selhurst Park and and that it was in the 1970s and at that time they were wearing the white with the red and blue sash. Mm. And I have always associated the club with that strip. Yes. And I've never got on with the blue with the red and blue. I find it far too. I don't like it when clubs liken themselves to big clubs like Barcelona and then don't follow through. I think it's a bit tacky. Um, and I've never been able to shake that off with Palace. It's the one thing about about that I just cannot shake off. And I've never been a big thing with that. Um, I prefer the old claret and blue, which was way before my time. But uh, so <laughs> consequently, when I was buying replica shirts and that, yeah, it, it, I would usually often go for the for the away kits yeah
0: a bit reluctant sure. to go for the red and blue stripes I'm always a
1: big fan of away. I, thought I would find away kits generally speaking more interesting because you know it's usually when designers tend to sort of like be a little bit more imaginative
0: hmm yeah I must admit with regards to Crystal Palace I mean I sort of uh, I'm exactly the same as you, Terry. I grew up knowing Crystal Palace to wear this kind of all-white strip with a red and blue diagonal sash. In fact, I had that team in Cebutio, one of the the teams I had, and loved it. It doubled Mm. up as Peru, damn it. I don't know why, (laughs) because they didn't have a blue sash. They didn't
1: have the blue sash, but you could. If you were playing World Cup 78 and you didn't have the official... And who did? Let's be blunt. Um, you know, back in the seventies, we really yeah. you, know, you think it's austere now? <laughs> um,
0: yeah, if he squinted a bit, it was Peru basically.
1: You could, yeah, you could get away with it being Peru, and if you had Chelsea, that would be Scotland, and you could replicate Peru beating Scotland three-one. And explain. we did.
2: That would explain
0: why I was thought Clive Allen played for Peru then. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be it. Months of expensive therapy wasted. <laughs> But then I, yeah, then I kind of found out there was like red and blue stripes, and I thought, oh, where did that come from? And then in later life, I found out that they used to wear claret and blue. I thought, well, yes, I just can't, can't believe all this. Yeah,
1: we, we we're, we're desperately want to avoid going in soundtrack, getting into a sidetrack here. But the story goes that the original kit was, was donated by a director from Aston Villa, hence the ah. claret and blue. But I don't know, it's a story, it may not be true.
0: Well, I mean, if you're talking about kind of clubs trying to kind of uh, adopt the uh, the persona, if you like, of a, of a continental team, I'm <laughs> not even going to mention Leeds United and Real Madrid. That's just well, yeah, uh, again, but again,
1: it. You know, I stress that. I mean, uh, and Real Madrid, of course, who who got their strip from Corinthian from the Corinthian team.
0: Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's oh. that's
1: that's. Uh, I only actually found that out quite recently, um, and um, uh, yeah, but again, and Leeds, but Leeds did stuff, won stuff. You know, yeah. there, there's so I can. I've, I'm, I'm fairly okay with that. It's when you sort of, you know, For when a you while. when you just sort of like say, "Oh, we're just gonna, you know, we're gonna be like Barcelona," it's like, and then what? And then we do nothing. <laughs> I thought, "Wow, we won the second division title. Big deal, you know." <laughs> you,
0: you're so impatient, Terry. You expect these things to happen overnight. Um, anyway, let's move on, shall we? I was gonna, as I mentioned earlier, I'm just gonna talk about sort of games, really, and, and Subutai in particular. Years ago, um, before. Technology developed to any great extent. Young fans could choose from any number of football board games. You have got your Wembley and your Soccer Arm, and none of these I've ever owned. I must admit. Well, I think a friend of mine did used to have Wembley. Um, quite a long, you know, a, a game you needed a long time to play, as, as far as I can remember. Anyway, a topic of all of those, of course, was was Not a board game, of course, but certainly a, a big hit among the fans, uh, among kids and stuff in that uh, pre-video age. Um, a game that's been recently relaunched, uh, Terry In the hope of, I think, cashing in maybe on the whole novelty aspect of you know, Manual interaction uh, Rather than sitting in front of a video screen kind of thing uh, Do you think something like Subutio could could ever become quite as popular again? Or is it f- forever you know, entrenched in the market of you know, nostalgic adults?
1: I'd be shocked if children got Subutio
0: hmm.
1: uh, I, I mean, maybe if they get, their dad's got them into it I could see that happening but, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, we live in a... I'm sure we we, we live in a, in a digital age now. I, I'd be really surprised if, if, left to their own devices, um, kids opted the, for Subutio. I, to, I mean, it's yeah. fantastic. It's brilliant, Subutio. But, I mean, it is... It's, it's, it, it, it's plastic figurines being flicked around or shoved around if you use those particular mm. tactics, which I did. Um, I mean, it just doesn't... I mean, in terms, it just doesn't compare to something like FIFA...
0: Twelve. It's just Can it come on? Uh. I, I just—I mean—I think they've—they've they've kind of left it as long as possible before trying to relaunch it because you know, in successive generations that have passed, it was probably too soon after Subutio in its first incarnation sort of came to an end, whenever that was. Probably would have been—I don't know—early nineties or something. Um, uh, but now I, I do get this impression they're sort of thinking, well, you know what? Well, it's been a while now, and, and maybe a lot of kids need to kind of get that thrill of flicking bits of plastic around, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure I mean, it's it's all, what was great about Sabutia first time around um, Rich, certainly was the fact that um, it had been running so long, that the whole game had been around so long that by the 70s there were like billions of teams you could buy and billions of accessories, and I'm just sort of wondering in this current sort of era, this new relaunched version of Sabutia, whether anybody will actually kind of put the money into it I, I suppose it will all come down to how many kids engage with it, will it really? i I, I would say that um
2: really i don 't think the kids will engage with it. I think if their their best chance of success is probably with middle aged men because um, mm. i I think as you said Chris, one of the the big appeals of Sabutio was this the sheer amount of accessories and teams you could get for it I mean that's what I used to love about it. I used to and like and it was never cheap that 's the thing. Sabutio was never cheap, so it wasn 't exactly like something that kids could easily spend pocket money on but no. One pound yeah. seventy nine for a team. <laughs> that was in your day, Chris. It was about Thank two pound £2. fifty in my day. Um, but because of the sheer amount of accessories you could get, it was sometimes just fun. I mean, like I used to buy the goals and like the different sets of balls. I mean, having Adidas Tango um, balls—that sounds disgusting. Um, I was, and I was <laughs> so about to say bright orange ones as well. But yeah. <laughs> and I had uh, luminous green as well. I was I was a very sickly child. Good God. Um, but just that sort of aspect I think that's why for the middle aged man who is kind of almost going through this second childhood and wanting to collect this stuff from from their childhood I think you, you could end up scoring there because mm. you've got a collector's market and you've got people who have the cash to sort of buy that sort of thing yes. I, I can't see kids getting into it it's sad because I, it, it was a big part of my childhood but I just cannot see as Terry said with you know FIFA out and, and things like that I cannot see why a child would be that into sort of collecting maybe maybe nerdy kids you know i mean obviously i was mm. never a nerdy kid definitely not <laughs> but it, it's I, I think they should go for the middle-aged man that's that's my take on it
1: i, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if that's exactly what they are planning on doing they are mm-hmm. that that that's their that, that is their market and that they're hoping to cash in on as you say yeah you know middle midlife crisis guys who uh, you know, can't afford can't afford a dirt bike or a mistress and you know so they take up <laughs> the youtuber instead and, and, and you know. set up
0: blog sites and things yeah <laughs> what's
2: what's the price of a mistress these days Terry well, that I
1: can't <laughs> tell you but uh, <laughs> but I'm sure it's more expensive than Subutio
2: <laughs> but not as satisfying
0: <laughs> alright so yes let's move on shall we let's keep it above the belt um, I mean I was, I was going to mention actually about video games because I mean you, we. Very, very um, astutely brought up FIFA 12. I mean, it is all these days about your FIFA 12s and your pre- Pro Evolution Soccer's and all that. I mean, you've only got to switch on Sky Sports at the weekend and you see the electronic advertising boards at matches promoting FIFA 12 and all these games. It's become that big. And I mean, bloody hell, Sky Sports even use EA Sports for their statistics. I think if I'm and right think I'm right in saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a far cry from the sort of primitive graphics and gameplay of of, of the games you get maybe back in the 80s and 90s and it's all very slick nowadays but is it kind of maybe is it too slick and too realistic that people when they look back in the future kind of will say well we just ended up with computer games that were life like and is there any joy in that i think, I,
1: mean, I think that the memories and the nostalgic memories will probably come from the social aspect of it. Um, hmm. These games are social yes. games now they're being, they're designed to be played not against a computer but against human beings on the internet and I think that people's nostalgia value will come from those memories that they have of those great competitions that they had, those great matches yeah. that they would have had, maybe less so for the actual games themselves. Uh, you know unlike say I don't know like for instance Sensible Soccer which many people will argue mm-hmm. that in fact that still had one of the best still has one of the best com- engines of any football game anywhere but obviously the graphics are oh. late 80s early 90s incredibly basic by comparison but a very very oh. clever game oh.
0: brilliant brilliant I
1: was to yeah I mean sp- sorry, go on. sorry 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 Grish go on
2: I say, speaking of sensible soccer, um, I actually downloaded that for the Xbox the other day, um, and I was sitting there playing with it, uh, playing it because I absolutely loved sensible soccer. I wasted far too many of my my hours of my life on that game. But having, I was playing it the other day, and my daughter was sitting there watching it, and she was just aghast at it. She was just like, <laughs> "What is this? Why are you playing this? Why have you just <coughs> spent money on this game?" And I said, "It's just so addictive, you know. It's such a simple game." And I, I, I said, "Look, just." it have a game yourself and I explained the controls which took about half a second it was like you can bend the ball and you can kick it and you can move and that's it she, went, it, she said is that it and I went yeah it is but that's the point it's so simple and it's really addictive and it is and I finally managed to score a goal after about seven matches So, and, and I punched the air I did <laughs> can FIFA do that probably yes
1: I mean, we we, we talk oh. about. I mean, we would be remiss if we're talking about video games. It would be remiss not to point out that the theme tune to this very podcast uses yes. a, a a video game a theme from a very old video game.
0: One that this I think you're more familiar with than me, then. Tell you, yeah, you I mean, tell everybody. I was everybody. There, I
1: was. There, well, uh, the, I, was um, I was a big fan. of like It was Striker, uh, and I was. A, I loved the game, uh, and it was. It was a. At the time, it would look like it was a move up from sensible soccer. Although on reflection, it wasn't as good um, because it was a much easier game to play. But it, it was, you know, the grass was more authentic. The perspectives were slightly different. Um, it had a five-a-side mode, which had the trainers squeaking on the on the surface <laughs> as well, which was like wow. Um, so, <laughs> like so it had that extra little tinge of authenticity about it that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, it was quite a successful franchise for a while. It last as well. There was a few iterations of it, um, and uh, an absolutely cracking theme tune. Really, and I'd, I, I mean, we use it, but um, I, I've, I have no idea who owns the rights to it. So I've never been able to find it. Um, well, I, we have tried to find out whoever it is I sincerely hope we're not infringing someone's copyright because and it is a bit of a tragedy that the um, the composer of the theme whoever put that together is a really well composed theme and then obviously then put it together so it could then be ch- churned out through a Nintendo 64 and a Sega Mega Drive um <laughs> deserves some recognition but alas um, they're nowhere to be found unless they're hearing this Um, in which case uh, we haven't got any money so we
0: can't pay you sorry and and, um, thanks everybody for listening to the sound of football it's been great broadcasting (laughs) to you because
1: we're now going off air and taking all of our tracks for the last 18 (laughs) but
0: but, um, any inquiries go to Richard Johnson Carol
1: I Graham Sibley
0: (laughs) go for the one who's not here that's right that's right sorry yes Um, we're nearly out of time but, but just Time very quickly to squeeze in one last thing, which is um, that you know, it could be said that football itself it, it may run the risk of becoming un nostalgic in the future itself. I mean, back in the you know, your so called glory days of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, you know, the British game was uh, full of big characters with real personas and playing fantastic football. And nowadays, what have we got? You know, we've got bloody Joey Barton, and you know, the game seems to be lurching from one crisis to another with every passing week. I mean. Uh, Rich, just finally. I mean, do you think football fans 20 years from now will, will find pleasure from the the beautiful game as it exists now? And you know, do you think that the whole nostalgia thing transposes itself as as the generations go on? No. <laughs> <coughs> Thank you very much. And on, on that note, no, no. <laughs> everybody born after
2: 1992 is a soulless person. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, it just depends. I mean. If we went back to when we were kids and we were playing with things like sabutio and, and, and like football kits and that, would we? If someone had said to us then, do you think in twenty years' time you'll be looking back and sort of, you know, wanting this stuff again or sort of collecting it or seeing it with with dewy eyes? Uh, we would have probably just told them to go away and stop asking weird questions. You know, mm. it's you <laughs> cannot tell, and it's it's it will be interesting to see in twenty years' time what people are nostalgic about. I mean. Mm. It, I can't see it being the same things but there probably will be sort of similar things like some football kits for instance are a constant so it's, yeah. it's I can see people being nostalgic about you know, I mean even now you look on eBay and you'll see things from the late 90s described as vintage which apart from making you feel old and, and a bit sad it's, it's just, but that's the way it goes. I mean, I mean, yeah. if you look now at early '90s kits, which to me is like you know still fairly recent, and you look back at some of the horrendous designs that came out, they are now considered almost classic designs.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you reckon, Terry? What's your thoughts on that?
1: I think that there are still characters in the game. Um, Neil Warnock, Jose Mourinho. I mean, I think Joe Barton, in a way, is, is is also a character. I think with social networking as well, the the players um, because they. Uh, once they get their heads around it, they will be able to express themselves uh, using social networks and, and talk to people in a way that you know isn't possible beforehand. So the nature of of what we would call character will change mm. because the, 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 we look at it through a different prism. Now we're increasingly looking at footballers through a different prism. where we have much much closer contact with them, and so inevitably that will change. Yeah. Whether we'll get nostalgic for that, I I, I don't know, but I, but I think the one thing that we were talking about if you remember last last Wednesday when you were you showed mm-hmm. me that splendid book international football um yes. uh, from the 1970s 71 I think that 71 was, yeah. uh, and and reading through the various issues that were going on there was there's so much of what they were talking about there is still being talked about now yes um so uh, you know i think that there is a cyclical nature to football. I mean, even at, at, at the age that we are at, we must—you must, guys—must guys must be aware that you think, "God, I've heard this bloody story before," but it's just a, <laughs> a different player, a
0: yeah. different
1: club, but it's the same story. Um, so yeah. I, I, I don't necessarily worry that, uh, that that nostalgia will be gone. And if anything, ephemera or memorabilia is just growing and growing. It's a big—it's a big industry now. Well, it's not big, it's not, it's like, it's not oil. But I mean, it's, it's, still, <laughs> it's still a pretty pretty big industry. And so, you know, and probably it will only get better. And the game just is getting more and more popular. And, mm. you know, as it grows and expands, it will generate a lot more rubbish. And people will get nostalgic for that it's rubbish when, to, yes. when they finally throw it away.
0: Well, I'm, I'm just off now to check my share prices in um, Panini sticker albums. Um, <laughs> sorry, Rich, were you going to say something then, or did I just miss you? No, I was just laughing. Oh, good. Excellent. That's what we told you to do. That's right. Yes. Excellent. Uh, well, I think um, we're pretty much out of time there, but um, we uh, we hope you enjoyed that little trip down memory lane. And we, of course, urge you strongly to uh, get in touch with us if you uh, wish to add your own memories. Um, you can get in touch with us at uh, various different places footballfairground.com forward slash sound of football, facebook.com forward slash sound of football, and uh, you can get us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash sound of football. Um, and if you want to visit the football attic, quick plug here um, abusing my privileges and all that sort of thing www.thefootballattic.com and that's where you'll find Richard and I chipping in with occasional um, articles on all manner of different aspects of Nostalgia but um before we go, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who participated in our Facebook poll last week after our um, discussion about bringing back the England v Scotland game. Um, out of the 12 people that responded, 11 were in favour of bringing it back. So I think that's enough science uh, to prove that, um, that uh, the, the fixture should be brought back and the, I for one will be getting in touch with Sepp Blatter in the morning. The public clearly demand it. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. 12 people, that's a, that's a pretty big sample. The um, poll is it's,
1: still open, by the way,
0: so do go back yes. there and, 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 and make it 13 if you, if you wish. <laughs> If you want to live dangerously, facebook.com forward slash sound of football. Anyway, we're out of time. Thanks for listening. And a big thank you, of course, goes to Rich Johnson. Uh, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show, Richard. Um, yeah, we'll let you know whether you've uh, you've won the audition. And it, I think, actually, to be honest, it depends on whether Graham comes back as to whether you make any further appearances. But, um, but we'll be in touch. Thank you. Excellent. A wonderful debut. And um, we hope you'll be back sometime soon. But for the time being we must bid you all a fond farewell join us again next time around for the sound of football episode 109 until then from myself from Richard and from Terry it's a fond farewell goodbye goodbye goodbye